straight in the mix. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Go live. Go live. And I believe. Let's see. Trying to get. I think we're. I think we're live. Uh, but no, we are on uh, YouTube, LinkedIn. We're, we're ready to go. Kia ora, everybody. What's up? It is Rebecca. Welcome to uh, Rebecca Live. Another day. Um, we're very, very glad we've now got more international guests that are coming in we've got another guest all the way from america and i think are you in portland is that right i'm in vancouver washington right across the bridge from portland oregon correct there you go um i saw the number pop up and i i figured there um brandon dawson um from selling walnuts to pay for school tuition to selling what you sold a biz for like 150 mil or some shit. So you've, you've done well and life is, seems pretty good. You've got the fireplace there. You're just missing the bit of cognac for the morning with a cigar there, mate. You're like you're like two moves away from flipping straight. It's full ninja grandmaster status. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, introduce yourself, uh, who you're about and what you're up to and all the rest of it. Yeah, my name is Brandon Dawson. I'm a serial entrepreneur and I am the scaling uh, startup, scaling restart and exit expert that partnered with Grant Cardone, who is the real estate sales and marketing expert guru in the world. So we've teamed up to bring together a platform for every business owner in the world to be able to tap into to grow and scale their business and, and create the most profit uh, that the business can, can deliver to them. So business education to scale, and I'm imagining the size of these businesses probably what a couple of million revenue turnover to kick off with is that kind of where you start anywhere from i'm sorry uh anywhere we work with businesses between uh so the range i'm working in right now is 2 million to 1.2 billion got it all, all the way up and then the so do you take equity in the companies what do you like how the, the consultancy piece on the venture side like how does it work you, you've got programs and seminars and you clip the ticket off for the upside or growth in yeah. the business or how, do you, how does it work yeah, so what we wanted to do, and Grant really pushed us, uh, we want to be uh, an innovation of private equity. You know, a lot of businesses will access private equity to get money, to then hire people, pay for systems, acquire other businesses, upgrade their infrastructure. And that's why they tap into them and then they go through their next iteration of growth. Well, that was my first business. So I'm fully aware of what it's like to work with the private equity guys. I started, I took my first company public uh, when I was 29 years old as a consolidator, acquired 110 businesses, franchised 900 of them, went through multiple private equity raises, and then took my company public on American Stock Exchange at 29. So I'm very familiar with that whole series and businesses access the capital to go to hyper growth. The problem is about 80% of the businesses that access that capital don't know how to do all that stuff. And they do it wrong the first, second, and third iteration, which then gives them their company, gives the company to the private equity group because the private equity guys have ratchets and cram downs and all sorts of mechanisms to they get squeezed out. They get squeezed out. And so then the private equity guys are always looking for those companies and those ambitious people so they can they know they're gonna fail. And then they sell them to their own platform companies or to bigger private equities that have uh, groups that have platform companies. And so Entrepreneurs need a different solution for growing and scaling. I needed to prove that I understood what that could look like. So my last company I started with a half a million dollars of my own money. I paid myself back in 18 months. Over the course of 14 years, I generated $50 million uh, of, of money in profits, reinvested a majority of that back into the company. 
and then sold the company for 77 times EBITDA, 150 million to a big public company. And I never raised a dime and I never borrowed a penny. This process is what, I, what Grant and I are bringing to small businesses. So now to answer your question, we have three ways of engagement. First, Grant said they got to be able to pay to come just see what you're about and, and experience us and learn from us. So that's that's phase one. Phase two is if people engage us to platform their business, which is the same exercise I would go through to put a, a five to 10 year plan together if I invested in a business to show exactly how much I can actually excel at and what the value would be. We then do that for businesses. Those businesses that we believe we can turbocharge that growth of 10Xing them, we would propose a partnership structure where Grant and I would throw all of our resources, experience, and all my leadership teams at it, and then partner with those businesses to grow and scale. The third way to work with us is for those businesses, if it's through consolidation or bolt-ons or tuck-ins, we would invest in those capital to bring them in so we could even accelerate that growth further. So those are the three ways to work with us. Yeah, interesting. The moment right now with what's happening with uh, COVID is put the whole commercial world to stop, right, or to pause. When you knew that this was coming, what was the, I guess, what was the biggest fear you thought of and then the biggest opportunity that you thought of simultaneously? Like just two sides of the coin, where'd your head go? Well, it's an interesting question. We, I mean, nobody knew it was coming. So uh, by the time everybody knew it was coming, it was already too late. And and I think that the initial response was, um, hmm. Uh, see, I believe that when anything catastrophic happens, your first response should be to do nothing. And so that's what I did. I did nothing for about two or three days. And then uh, I asked the question, what is my bigger purpose? What's my mission? My mission and my purpose is to help independent businesses grow, scale, turn around, et cetera. Um, so my first thought once I paused was, I'm gonna turn this situation into the greatest asset of anything that uh, has ever presented itself before. I think it's important to know that in 08, 2009, 2010, 2011, when the world was melting down to the financial crisis, and at least the US, I was in the Inc. 500, 5,000 fastest growing private companies in the United States. And I received numerous Inc. higher power awards for out hiring uh, the marketplace. And so I consider myself with all my experiences, what you would call wartime CEO and advisor. And uh, the first thought I had was, a lot of business owners have had an easy run at it because the, the world economy has been so good for the last 10 years yeah. that they're really gonna need me. And believe it or not, I pivoted, I set up my home as a studio. I've got three studios now, my home, you're in my home office studio. I've got a studio in my garage, which is my live TV show studio. And I have a studio at the office for very specific training and development programs. So in the last 60 days, while the world's been melting down in my private ecosystem, I do about five Zoom calls a day that have anywhere from 500 to 2000 entrepreneurs on them, giving them guidance and advice on exactly what to do in the moment. I'm putting out the PDF version of my new book, uh, Small Business, uh, it was gonna be titled, titled Small Business Protocol, uh, a Small Business um, Emergency Protocol, but uh, we're changing that to small business emergency response. And it's gonna detail everything you need to know the instant the oh shit light goes on. Mm. 
And so I've also shot over 230 training courses. Um, and I have videoed and shot in the studio 190 questions from business owners that are in my private community of what exactly to do in the exact situation that people have asked me about and created a library that you can search so you can grab that and watch the video. And it's tagged with my personal notes on how to use that information immediately. Because what's most important right now is speed, speed to attack. So in a scenario, the faster you can attack the scenario with the highest and best possible outcome will save businesses and position them to have unbelievable growth. And the other thought I had is no business anymore will say, oh, no, I don't need to get better because I've got it all covered. Because what everyone's learned is if you don't have an unbelievably healthy business and you know what that means and you don't have unbelievably aligned and inspired people who are fighting for results every day, you're in trouble. And I, I personally took the position that this is going to create the single biggest opportunity that I've ever had in my career. And we've embraced it wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's interesting you're talking about the the home setup of insulation. So, you know, I travel, my wife's from San Francisco and I, I travel back and forth between um, you know, there in New Zealand, like for the last, I guess, you know, almost 17 years now. But whenever I'm not in the uh, in the room, I always feel that I, I'm a step behind if I'm, if I'm physically not there. And then what I've felt through this is overnight, it's an even playing field because it's gone virtual. And then I thought about, probably similar to yourself, I was like, well, wait a second, I've got my lights, camera, action, and if I've got my brain, isn't that the biggest asset now when it's even playing field with no one else can move? So weirdly, my brain went to a different sort of level as soon as I knew the logistical playing field had been sort of leveled. So it's quite interesting just saying that you'd set that up that same way. So you're almost like, you know, self-resilient and the value is in your, your head and the tech can scale it out, right? So you've kind of taken a, um, it's good to know that there's similar thinking or that the, the right approach with it, right? That's, that's, it's a lot of content you're doing, mate. You got a lot, of, a few studios there, man. What do you? <laughs> you, got, you got a bunch going on. Yeah, well, what I also did was uh, I, I I pivoted. See, see, when I built all my businesses, I have a very specific methodology I use for building and scaling businesses, and it's what I've helped thousands of entrepreneurs do in the last fifteen years. That's that was my business that I sold was helping a thousand independent business owners grow and scale and they outperform their peer group three and a half to 15 times in performance and value. So that whole infrastructure was acquired in the vertical I was in because a billion dollar supplier wanted to bring it to their global audience. And that supplier's capital uh, was there. They were trading at 1625 a share the day they announced they were acquiring a, our little $40 million business for 150 million. And two years later, they're trading uh, three times more than that because we integrated within 18 months and helped them on a global basis. So they're now trading at three and a half billion. So so this business I started with Grant uh, a year ago, I already have enough reserves to last a year because that's my, I build reserves using an, uh, an, uh, an algorithmic process that I train business owners. And so instead of investing in some of the things I was going to invest in, once I hit my reserve capacity and all that excess cash, I pivoted that cash into building out the studios and hiring three different teams mm. to edit and, and produce the content. So th that, the most important thing for business owners globally, I have a whole bunch of people in Australia and New Zealand I work with as well. So, so it's to, to deliver real time, instantaneous content that solves an immediate problem. That's my goal. Yeah, 
right now, you know, you're talking, you you know, hundreds of entrepreneurs a day, business owners, what is the biggest fear and recurring theme of the, the specific type of things that people are stressed out about right now through COVID that you've seen from, from, I'm imagining you've got students all over the world and people that are sort of plugged in in every different sector and vertical all, all, all through the show. What's kind of the biggest um, things that you've seen so far? Yeah. So let me, let me, let me put them into three different categories. So I'll, I'll use, I'll use this just for the sake of the example. Let's say a third of them are like, Oh my God, we're growing bigger than we've ever grown before. Like, because they're in a happen to be in a market that right now there's a high, high demand. And that would be things like certain kind of healthcare providers. It would be things like security providers, IT infrastructure support teams, uh, businesses that maybe people didn't value as much going into this as they do right now because of what's happening. Then say there's a third that are like, I, I'm scared to death, but my business is still doing okay. It's like, I don't actually need money. Things are still working and I'm just scared the, the cliff's going to fall off. So, so categorize them in a third and then say there's the third that are like, I'm shut down. All my employees are, are toast. I'm toast. Everything's toast and I'm scared and I'm desperate. So there's three different categories and you have to be able to understand each category and have solutions for each category. So what I'd ask you is, which category would you like to talk about? Because they are different. Maybe probably the one where life's turned to shit. It's all over. Holy shit. How do I even, I'm having to fire people. Like, so the, a big, in New Zealand, it's obviously a small market, you know, a couple of million people, a bunch of whole small businesses. I mean, 97% of the percent of the businesses in New Zealand, the small businesses were staff under 20. So it's a big chunk. And, and a huge part of New Zealand's economy is tourism. Trade and export. Manufacturing's pause right now. The tourism's gone. A buddy of mine, you know, runs a company, a couple hundred staff, 97% loss in revenue, and he's got 10 staff left out of hundreds, right? So th that's the state for a lot of companies in New Zealand. So so going to the, the dark spot of shit right now, what's the what's your sort of approach in that sort of world? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to say this to everybody watching this and and for everybody that's in that situation. I I have an enormous amount of empathy for you. Sorry, I get emotional when I think about it. Yeah, it's real shit, bro. Yeah, I feel like my job is to absorb this because I'm not in that case because I'm very disciplined in how I build. I'm very disciplined in how I invest and I'm very disciplined in how I leverage certain things. I have no leverage against me. Uh, I just... I don't, I, I believe you create leverage differently, right? And so um, um, I have things that are not working, but I can offset those with things because I understand how to round out my um, portfolios in a way. My biggest asset is what I can produce, right? So so let me say this, like I honestly, I feel, I feel for those people. I've been there. Like it, it is such a shitty, shitty feeling. And the first thing I wanna say is if you're in this position right now, please give yourself permission that it's not because it's your fault. That's that's like, there's so many guests, there's so many people that are guessing about what they should have done different or what they shouldn't have done. There's so many great businesses that just got sucked into something that in all of our lifetime, no one has ever experienced, even in a war. So the first thing I wanna tell people is go to acceptance. Like 
Grant Cardone and I talk about this all the time. The faster you can move yourself to acceptance and acceptance is understanding in the moment that it is what it is. It's not what you want. It's not what you'd like it to be. It's not the way it should be. It's not the way it could be. It is what it is. And now get yourself to that moment because if you don't get to that moment, nobody else has any hope for you. I use the robo, I use the, the ship at sea example. If you're the captain of a ship at sea and you ram a rock and the ship is going down and you've got a lifeboat uh, and that lifeboat can only hold half your crew, man, I can't imagine a tougher decision. But the decision process needs to be who can row, who can plug holes, and who can bail. And who on your team is willing to have discipline, accountability, drive results, and work together as a team without any hesitation because that's the decision that you're going to have to make. And, and that's the hard choice. And the sooner you get to acceptance, the faster you can identify within your 100 or 200 employees what that 20, 30, 40, 50% looks like because you have to save who you can save and you can only save the people who are going to absolutely drive the highest value. This is a natural pruning event for your orchard. And, and how you rebuild now, you got to be smarter. See, I, I build my businesses algorithmically. So when I'm in business for a month, I want to generate enough profit to buy a half a month of business. When I'm in business for 90 days, I want to generate enough profit to have a full month. When I'm in business for six months, I want to reserve enough that I'm in business for 90 days. When I'm in business for a year, I want to have six months of reserves. When I'm in business for two years, I want to have a year's worth of reserve. And then as I add overhead and grow my business, I want to reserve and tithe to build that cushion. So when something like this happens, I'm sitting on enough resource to be in business for a year. And if I'm not, I know who, how to trim the fat, the people I hired for the future growth out so that and this is all in my book, uh, the emergency business response, because you got to make fast decisions. And, and what I'm saying to people is the sooner you move to acceptance, the faster you can identify that team, the faster you can put a plan together to rebound back. And then the more methodical you are about building a scalable, profitable, healthy business, you will not find yourself in this situation again. And that will present itself. People who have failed rebound faster because they have all those experiences. You have to find the place where you're okay with that, rebuild your confidence and focus on the things you can control. And trust me, you will come out of this better than you went into it. It's always the headspace first is the, is the, the key piece and it's very easy you can get i guess caught up in the reactionary effect of what's happening around them instead of like pausing taking it the acceptance piece and then you've got the then you're at zero to build back up again right but that almost leads to the next point you're a business owner it's turned to shit you've come to the acceptance point how do you mentally how do you reset mentally when you've been in a spot that you've never been before because one of the things I've, I've felt a lot of um i felt quite sad about is a lot of businesses um, 
they might have a, a staffing challenge here or then maybe a logistics hit channel here and maybe a, you know just HR these, these little pieces but in one hit when they've got a 360 attack of absolutely everything flipping cash management stock door shutting flipping absolutely everything it's just the compounding weight of that strategic and so that that mental the mental weight of all of it is is they've, uh, the majority of small business owners probably haven't felt that before to that depth right so how what advice will you give them to kind of reset mentally with how they can you know approach it to basically square zero and then up like how do you how how do you talk about or how do you think about that in terms of the mental resiliency and, and resetting mentally yeah so so that's a great question i think um here's what i advise every business owner that i work with right now if they're watching this show and there's somebody who's has those type of fears, anxiety, stresses, or realities. Take a piece of paper out. Very simple exercise. Take a piece of paper out, draw a line down the middle. I want you to write down every single thing that you believe you did at the highest level of excellence and execution to build your business to where it was, okay? On the right side, I want you to write down everything that now you recognize if you would have had a do-over, you would have done it differently. What you're going to find is the stuff on the right side is outside of the scope that you're passionate about, you have experience with, or that you've paid attention to. What I want you to do then is find a mentor who's on a channel who's talking about those things. Now, in my case, I have my global CFO, I have my global CMO, Grant Cardone, myself, we have all these programs because you need different expertise at different levels. Find someone or join our groups and isolate those and make it a commitment to yourself. If people development is an issue, if people management's an issue, if inventory management's an issue, if financial acumen and management is an issue, whatever thing that all of a sudden you're dealing with, write that down because those will be the things that if you find the right mentor, or the right firm to work with, which you're welcome to go to cardoventures.com and we will see if we're the right firm. But if you shore those things up and you educate yourself enough to know what you need to know, which is who you can trust, and you shore those things up right now while you're in this period of time, see that's moving to acceptance because now you can focus on building, being prepared for building. And I would say, that if you just go through that drill, you're, some things are gonna really pop out at you. Um, and if those things pop out at you, then find a mentor, or men, you know, John Maxwell on leadership, Jim Collins on, if your business is big and you're running That's into right, businesses, yeah. Michael Gerber, like go through and find those people and read as much as you can, highlight as much as you can, or join us and we'll do it all for you. The, um, the idea around, uh, education it kind of sounds like you almost got a, a real world kind of wikipedia for for business sort of stuff the headspace from your side you're talking about methodology is it just more you've got a um you know you've seen it from both sides now and you you've kind of have some hacks in the middle and and is that kind of the that's the, the secret source here right is you've come up from a different sort of approach in that me methodology just explain your, your thoughts around how you approach business in terms yeah of so, so i made some huge screw-ups and i ex acknowledged those screw-ups and and then i i did the exa exact exercise i wanted to share with the group 
And then I asked myself exactly what I suggested to the group, who are mentors. And I got really super deep into Robert Anthony, Beyond Positive Thinking, author out of Australia, John Maxwell, because I realized I had a leadership deficiency. I wasn't the kind of leader I wanted to be. Started with 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Uh, Beyond Positive Thinking by Dr. Robert Anthony, so I can learn how to think properly because your actions follow your thinkings. The things you talk about are the things that you ultimately do, and those things you do are ultimately what you're known for. I wanted to learn to control my thinking so that my doing would follow the proper thinking. Um, I found uh, Michael Gerber e-myth so I could better process out exactly the granular details of how to build and orchestrate a business. I found uh, Jim Collins on how to build an enterprise business, massive scaling, the mistakes big businesses made versus up and coming businesses that dominated them. Um, Grant Cardone, I wanted to understand how to 10X everything in my life and get bigger, better, more impactful in what I do. I found mentors like Story Musgrave, uh, who's the only astronaut that flew all five space shuttles, uh, designed, deployed, and went up and fixed Hubble. Um, he taught me how NASA operates. Uh, so I wanted to understand how to be, create the most efficient and effective operating system. And then I had a whole litany of other mentors, Sharon Lecter, three feet from gold. Um, and, and, and I took these people's work and I turned it into a personal library of about 400 videos I created, isolating their work down. Like Maxwell has 53 or 54 laws. I took all of them created my own algorithm, intermixing their work and discipline myself that I was not going to make the same mistakes I made before. And then I launched Autogy Group and I taught that to hundreds of business owners and then taught them to teach them to their team members and created an army that we went out and created so much value. And now I'm doing that through thousands of businesses with Grant Cardone. So when you apply the learnings of some of the deepest thinkers and most successful, I have several mentors now that are billion dollar company builders. So I can work in the billion dollar spaces or I can work in the million dollar space because I've started all my businesses now from scratch. So I understand startup too. The point here being is I took practical experience, most importantly, learning to identify your failures and why and how you failed and turn those into assets. And I mapped that to the learnings of some of the deepest and best minds in the world and creating operating systems around that. And now I've created that whole system through my teams and I'm delivering it to independent business owners because everyone needs to tap into different elements at different stages of their business because their break points from 1 million all the way up to 1 billion. And if you don't know what they are and you don't know how to overcome them and you don't know how to avoid them, you're in trouble. So on that, on that note, the difference of what's the difference of the way broke people think millionaires think and then billionaires think. In every decision anybody needs to make in life needs two elements. You need contrast and you need context. When you're broke, your contrast is what and your context is what. When you're a millionaire, your context is what and your contrast is what. When you're a billionaire, your context is what and your contrast is what. So. The higher, see everything in life, I say there are three lids. It goes to John Maxwell's uh, law of the lid in, in first law and 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. You combine that with, with, with uh, Grant Cardone's 10X rule and you start to understand context and contrast. If you've earned a million, you have context to how to get to a million. You also have contrast from what it's like to be broke. 
and you don't yet have contrast of what it's like to go to a billion. So everything is relative. That's why when people get to a billion, the whole thesis in three feet of gold is a, is, is a father and son who could have found the largest gold mine in the world, but they screwed everything up, lost it. Somebody else got it, found it. And instead of going and, and doing a pity party, they thought what they did wrong, then they built a multi-billion dollar valued company. So I'd suggest you read that. But context and contrast is everything. So someone who's broke and poor has a poor mindset. Somebody who's accomplished something has a mindset greater than poor because they've accomplished it and they understand what it's like to start from zero. That's why people that inherit a whole bunch of money lose it because they didn't have the contrast and they didn't have the context. They made poor decisions that pulled them back to zero because they never had the context of what it took to get to being worth money. When you're a billion, you know what it's like to get to a billion. And if you lose it, you, you, you know what it's like to get there. So you, you go do it again. That's why people tapping into the right kind of leaders who have contrast and contact, they can associate and relate to people who are struggling and they understand what it's like to get to somewhere bigger. And if you don't plug yourself into that and you think you're going to figure it out on your own, you're going to have problems. Most millionaires that I've met uh, want to be billionaires, but they don't get there. Uh, there seems a different, there's something, do you think there's a, there's something mentally which is the way they either think or focus or or prioritize or do you think there's a hook that is stopping those that many that want to go from the million to the billion what's that weak spot which potentially they not they're not seen or they might not know that's a great question uh context and contrast so so here's the thing um if you map warren buffett's net worth to mine when I hit 28 years old, now I'm not doing any, you know, I'm a 2.4 high school GPA. So please don't do any of this present value shit. Um, I, when I was a kid pulled out or when I was, you know, 22 years old, I wanted to understand one of the wealthiest people in the world, what they did, how they did it and what their net worth was. And so I set targets. So at 28 years old, I was exactly Warren Buffett's net worth. When I sold my business at 48 years old, I was exactly Warren Buffett's net worth. When I charted Warren Buffett's net worth from 48 to 55, there was a $400 million gap. Well, I'll never accomplish what Warren Buffett's accomplished if I don't first understand how to fill the gap. So my next mentor was somebody who had accomplished a net worth that would fill that gap. But I was looking for very specific things. I wanted somebody I could learn from that had a wife they were in business with because my fiance and I want to do something together. I wanted to learn from somebody who I felt had an impactful thing that I could relate to and understand. I wanted somebody who was willing to share that as a mentor. That was a priority. And I found Grant Cardone. So Grant Cardone's net worth fills my gap. So I'm learning everything. Look, I had no social media, zero social media 15 months ago because everything I did was with private entrepreneurs in a private ecosystem with a private group. And I realized in order for me to fill the gap, I need to think different, to do different, to get a different result. And so I filled that gap with a mentor. So I think people who are millionaires, and here's the other thing, when I lost my job as a public company CEO because the private equity group wanted to sell the business, I didn't wanna sell it, I tried to buy it back, they sold it. It created all my mentality about how to do what I'm doing now. 
Um, I realized one of my biggest weaknesses was I made enough money that my ego was too high to learn and develop myself in new ways. So I found a mentor who had a business that had 10,000 people selling life insurance to people in their houses for 50 bucks a month. And I went for two years and mastered that sitting across the table from people in their homes listening to husbands who wouldn't spend $50 a month to secure their children and their wives. I did it for two years until I got so good at it. I could overcome those objections. Why? Because I needed to be better. I needed a team. I needed to submit to leadership. Most millionaires are too egotistical to go back all the way to the basics. When they identify the thing on the right side of the piece of paper, they're not good at, and they're unwilling to do the hard things to learn what they don't know. And therefore they cannot find a mentor because to find a mentor who cares about them, they have to give a hand before they ask for one. None of my mentors, all the authors I use, all my mentors are people that are close friends and businesses I've worked in. I've worked with John Maxwell. I've worked with Grant Cardone's business partner. I've worked with Sharon Lecter. I've worked with Michael Gerber. I've worked with all, I work with Story Musgrave. I worked with, John, with Jim Collins. Why? Because somehow my mentors became friends because I ingratiated them through the work I did and offered to contribute to something that they were interested in. That's how you get mentors. Most millionaires are too lazy. They're too egotistical. They're too certain in their own way, or they're too stubborn to learn anything new. And they won't humble themselves to actually find the people that can help them in the areas they're deficient. And I'll, I will stake a claim on that. I guarantee it. Cause I know a lot of those people. Yeah. They, they're too comfortable. They're too comfortable because they just have enough money to be comfortable. Mm, it's that, that, that gap, right? It's a, it's a, it's a big shift up and just, I guess, you know, mentally getting around close the, um, the investment portfolio that you talk about with the, uh, the grant stuff that's in property. How is, are apartments stuffed? Is resi stuffed? Is commercial stuffed? What's the what's your take from the American market with with where all that is? Because it's obviously probably got a lot that's in that space, right? How's that world looking right now in the states? Yeah, so let me let me talk about that. See, I own about a hundred million dollars of mini storages. I've had them for twenty years, it's, and I'm building another two hundred thousand square feet. In 08, 09, or ten, they got cut in half, but because of the 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 principles, how I invest. Um, they still were very profitable. And so I'm very comfortable in that. I don't know anything about family, uh, multifamily housing. So when, when I wanted to invest in multifamily housing, I started looking at a lot of deals. And what I realized is it's not in my expertise. I realized something else. I love business. I'm not a multifamily. I don't want to be out doing deals and things like that. I want to help business owners. I want to grow businesses. I want to create businesses. I am Grant's third largest investor in the Cardone Capital. So there's one other person that's put more money in than me other than Grant. Grant picks his properties based on very specific criteria. And I viewed and walked many of those properties. And let me just tell you, I would personally live in any of the properties that Grant has acquired because they're gorgeous. They have great facilities, great amenities. Um, and they're, and and part of his target is making sure they're not that much over the average rent of properties that aren't so nice. So I feel if his properties don't make it, then there are a lot of people that are going to be in bigger trouble. And, and I believe wholeheartedly in his ability to negotiate. I believe as a master, as one of the world's greatest salespeople, everyone that works in those properties are trained on his tools and his sales tactics to be the absolute best closers. 
Um, the discipline that he holds his own business accountable to, the property management company has the same discipline. It's a criteria. He is the number one in the world's greatest social media marketer. So he knows how to turn on social media marketing. He knows how to grab attention. He also is the one of the best negotiators I've ever seen in my life. And he's committed to the people that are committed to him. And he shares in the depreciation and the upside. And guess what else he shares in? The risk. So everyone that invests needs to put their big pants on and know that they're investing in somebody else that's doing something smarter and better than what they're doing. And there are there is risk associated with it. Right now, I'm very comfortable. I was an advocate with grants properties to hold distributions until we can understand what's going on. See, there's so many haters out there. And, and I got a friend that's a, a multi-hundred million dollar investor in a $10 billion high profile, unbelievably well-run, unbelievable astute people, $10 billion fund that's watched their income drop by 70% in the last 60 days because they're disproportionately holding commercial real estate. I don't like commercial real estate unless I own a building I'm operating. Grant doesn't like commercial real estate. He's in multifamily housing and markets he believes are somewhat recession-proof. So. For all the haters out there, the world is melting down, unprecedented times. And how if you're a landlord and the U.S. government and state governments are telling their tenants, you don't have to pay your rent. How is, how is it possible that a bank can go to a landlord and say, we're going to take your property for not paying your mortgage? The litigation out of that would be relentless and, and, and the U.S. government would be responsible. They told renters they don't have to pay. So for all the haters out there that are hating on anybody in real estate or any other business, shut the fuck up and go back to business and worry about yourself. It's just unbelievable. The noise. It, it shows so small, <laughs> listen, man, it shows how small thinking people are. I listen to these guys. And I think to myself, here's a guy that says, you know, Grant Cardone's going to go down because he's letting employees go and he's doing this and he's doing that. And this is why I stay small and I don't have employees and I don't invest in anything I can't control. And all I hear is stay small, stay small, stay small, stay small, stay small. Your 100 grand a year, your 200 grand a year is going to go to shit too, buddy. If the world goes to shit, you're going to shit. So, so people who want to be small, they stay small. Someone like Grant is not about being small. He's about being big. Well, that has risk, but Grant is mitigating and navigating the risk. So I feel as Grant's business partner is my seven and a half million dollars of cash safer with Grant than being held by a fund who doesn't give a shit about me or a REIT who I'm one of 10,000 or a $10 billion fund that's involved in a whole bunch of miscellaneous holdings that I don't understand, I don't know anything about. I don't worry about my money. I don't worry about the decisions Grant Cardone's making. I value the partnership. I value the relationship. And I believe wholeheartedly that if anybody can figure this out, he's going to figure it out. That's how I feel. And I also feel about my little mini storage is the same way because we've had them for 20 years and we don't have leverage. So I think a lot of people are going to be in trouble. But here's the fact. When the U.S. government's telling tenants in multifamily, in single family, or in, in commercial property, 
don't pay your rent, you don't have to. I don't think banks are going to have the balls to go after those people when the banks are getting all this money that they're supposed to give back to those people and they're holding it or picking people they enjoy doing business with to give it to screwing the little guy again. So there is going to be so much exposure to so much litigation in across all this that I see the U.S. government and the banks are going to have to do something very simple. This will be the first time in the world I think this is going to happen. My prediction is Trump and the administration will say, everyone, freeze 90 or 120 days moment of time and add it to the tail end of everything else. Nobody is going to sue or take anything from anybody. I'm very confident that's what's going to happen. And all these naysayers that are only talking about one side of the equation are going to show how small thinking and how dumb they really are. New Zealand's done a, the, the banks have um, pushed out a whole bunch, all the different loans. So they can just go interest only, I think, for the next uh, three or six months or whatever until it's, until it's all out on the other side of it. Um, we're out of time, man. This has been, I, I love the, man, you got heated with that. I don't know the dynamics of your world, but I, I feel I got to do some Googling. It's great. You, you went into it. I like it. <laughs> no, no, like, I'm trying to get hyped up. Like, listen, it's man, good. and I'm sorry for swearing, but here's the thing. Dude, I give a shit. It's great. Do you? Here's the truth, right? <laughs> Like I got my friends in Australia, they started from scratch. They're at a hundred locations. They're the largest uh, in Australia against all odds, all compliance issues, a market no one should have ever thought about going into. And they built a, a multi hundred million dollar elite business in hearing care. It's called Bay Audiology and Hearing. They did the same thing in New Zealand. They are masterminds at business. Now what? And, and they were doing unbelievable. So if all of a sudden they run into struggles, somebody's going to say they were shitty business people. Like, like I hear so much garbage. It isn't just about the grant and the real estate. I hear it about all the, all the big businesses. My little brother worked for a company for 28 years, 3,000 employees. They fired everyone. Why? Because the owners know that if they spend all their money holding on to something, they have no idea how long it's going to go. They're not going to have the money to bring everybody back. And yeah, everyone's got to fight and be responsible, but every human being should be responsible to create 30, 60, 90 days of cash reserves. And if you don't have that, find help, but understand going forward. It's your responsibility to take care of you and your family or your business and your team members and your employees. I'm a demonstrator. There are hundreds of thousands of businesses that are keeping their employees. They have cash reserves. They were responsible. That is not the government's job. It's not anybody else's job. And if you want that in your life and you want to create that security, think different to do different, be responsible for that. But use this moment as a learning curve because you will bounce back. But if you don't have the cash reserves to take care of yourself for 90 days, then you haven't been living responsible. If you don't have the cash reserves to take care of your team and your business for 90 days, the business hasn't been living responsible. If you're caught in this vortex, it's an opportunity for everyone to recalibrate what responsibility looks like and own their future destiny and ensure this never happens again. And if we do that and we don't be relying on a third party, then we can weather these moments. And when they do happen, we can use that capital to take advantages of opportunities our competitors didn't do or help family and friends that didn't do it either. Dude, on that note, mate, awesome chatting to you man i really appreciate your time we're about to go into the next show now but um best of luck in america and the usa we'll be we'll be watching it and um thanks for your time man appreciate yeah, it Yeah, when do you think you'll post this this was live oh <laughs> there you go i'm gonna have to
My my father's a, a retired minister, so can we bleep the F word? <laughs> we'll send him an edited letter. I'm just kidding. Hey, thanks, thanks brother. Cheers. Awesome, bro. Peace. Okay.